0: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the,
1: boy, you just got the mics turned on just in time, didn't you, you Like huh? that? Wow, yeah. Woo, baby. Uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, here. Nice to see you. And, and
2: look at the gorgeous day out there. It's
1: beaut. It's a beaut. But boy, that temp this morning was Crisp. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was going to get up to a little frost on the windshield. Nope. But nope. That's great.
2: So, no frost where you are is really a good Mm -hmm. thing. I mean, we've got weeks yet to go. northern
1: Stouffville area. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
2: but it's gorgeous. It's super blue, super bright, super crisp. Gorgeous day.
1: Oh, you know what we forgot to do last week? I oh. know what we forgot to do last week. Oh, my week.
2: goodness. Actually, it was even the week before. Oh, my goodness. Are you referring to our good friend Stanley? Yes. Okay, I hope Stanley's listening. You know what? Stanley, who's a city of Toronto, just recently retired parks and recreation worker, dropped by the studio yeah. a couple of weeks ago and brought us beautiful gifts. So yeah. tell tell us what, what, well,
1: what they now, were. Well, uh, now, uh, in a little glass bowl yeah. and uh, various... You know, Succulents. And that's just what I was gonna
2: say I know that's why I said it for you
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah it was really just on the coffee Core, table it's just like
2: a gift yeah. planter like it's a planter um the one he gave to me it, I believe he said there was either 12 or 13 different varieties of succulent all beautifully yeah, yeah, arranged we give and a little planted. Santa in ours oh yeah I know I've got little rocks and sand yeah, yeah. so sweet he spent a lot of time and my daughter posted it on Instagram a photo of yeah. my planter on succulent Sunday okay. and uh, got a lot of responses to that. That was really well received on Thank Instagram. Thank you, Stanley. And that was so, so beautiful. Yep. Sitting right on my desk in my office.
1: Alrighty. Uh, oh, and tomorrow of course is election day in no, Canada?
2: No, day after tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, yeah, Sunday. what I was saying. Yeah. Ah, right. You know. <laughs> like the yeah. real day,
1: yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And I hope everybody gets out to, as they say, exercise your franchise.
2: Yeah. But a bunch of people have already voted. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Right? Huge turnout, apparently. I, I, which it's funny I think how votes that's well. become a thing. It's become a real trend. Mm. People jump on that early voting well, opportunity. Uh, you know, Get it out they, of the way.
1: And and that's exactly it. So they don't have to worry about it. Well, about and people who
2: day. work all day, the mm-hmm. last thing they want to do is have to start lining up to vote on Monday uh, yeah, night if yeah. they don't have to. Right. Yeah. So voting last weekend was great for a lot right. of the people that are you know working and mm-hmm. having to pick up kids at and all yeah, that sort of thing. I'm
1: a scrutineer for one of our candidates. Oh, uh, does that mean
2: you stand there and
1: watch for a few uh, yeah, hours? Yeah, I'll be. Apparently so. Yeah, I'll be getting some instructions <laughs> how to do that. And apparently there are copious things. You can't things blink. You, you know that because no. <laughs> something
2: could happen when you blink. Oh,
1: gods! Yes. Now don't don't be scaring me. Stop that. All well, right, you know It's, what? A, it's a very responsible <laughs> job. This is the Garden Show, so <laughs> we had better get moving along here. Uh, and Franklin, my job uh, really is to give you the phone number. So let's do that. We well, more than just oh, that, right. really. Yeah, I know. Uh, in Toronto, <laughs> and you want to reach Charlie Dobbin, by all means, give a call to this number, 416-360-0740, or anywhere in the province, toll free one eight six six 740 If you happen to be a first-time caller, please let uh, Sebastian, Sebastian, no, 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 <laughs> Duncan, Duncan, let Duncan know, and he'll let us know, and, and, and just before you get to the airways. Get your little wings, your garden wings. Call early, call often. One question per call. And by golly, we do have a first time caller I know. up.
2: Oh, how do you Judy? We'll be getting to in just Judy. a
1: couple of moments. Yeah, in Stratford. Yeah. Judy waiting on the line for us. So let us move along, Charlie. All right. All right. Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener, taking control here from our studios <laughs> in Liberty Village. <laughs>
3: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia here and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stocks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams.
0: You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on
1: Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, my good friend Charlie, you all set to meet someone new? Absolutely. Mm, okay. Wait a minute, I got the bell out here, and it's for Judy in Stratford. Good morning. Whoa.
4: Good morning. Good
1: well, morning, prithee. <laughs> welcome from, to the
2: <laughs> show.
4: I have a question about tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Our tomatoes this year we planted from seeds mm-hmm. and we had nice big bushy tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And then all at once the leaves all turned brown.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And then the tomatoes got all little black spots on them, not black spot in the mm-hmm. bottom, but like mm-hmm. the rest. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't let them get really ripe or else they spoiled on you. Right. So I gathered that was a fungus or blight. Yes. So last week you were talking about fruit trees, Mm -hmm. um, spraying them with sulfur. Can we do that with tomatoes or is Mm. there something else we can
2: do? No, you can't do that with tomatoes. Tomatoes, um, uh, by virtue of the green growth and no woody growth to speak of, like no tree trunks on on tomatoes, Mm -hmm. makes them too uh, susceptible to damage from the sulfur. Uh, But you're right, blight is a fungal disease, and there are three different blights, early blight, mid-blight, and late blight. Tomatoes are susceptible to all of them, mm-hmm. very much dependent on the environment, things we cannot control, like humidity levels, high moisture content, even temperatures, um, you know, humidity, all that sort of thing has a lot to do with the incidence of blight. Mm-hmm. So what can you do next year? Couple of things you can do. One is plant your tomatoes far enough away that there is good air circulation happening around the plants. Okay. There is a tendency to pack them in and make a tomato forest and, and just have this wall of tomatoes. So, you know, if they're full size tomatoes and they're going to reach a, you know, six or eight feet tall, make sure they're at least a meter apart. So you want that good spacing. It looks silly early in the season because they're tiny little plants, but mm-hmm. they grow into that space. Make sure they're growing in a situation with a minimum of six hours of direct sun every day, so lots of sun. And then I even, I will, like, I take control of the shape of the tomatoes as they're growing. If you leave them alone, they will become huge bushes. They'll be tall and wide and have suckers all over the place. So I do a certain amount of pruning trimming shaping my tomatoes
1: letting the air in there that's right
2: yeah so you know they always want to send up all these little extra little shoots that are called suckers from between the main stem and the leaves so i do allow a few at the bottom so that i've got a main stem and maybe three or four more that become main stems Mm -hmm. and after that all suckers are removed as the plant grows and as we get later into the season and we know we're getting close to frost for example I take all the tops off and just try and ripen up what's there. And sometimes we just can't help it. I mean, it was a very, very cold, wet spring. So that was not in the to the advantage of tomatoes at all. But July and August were great, hot and sunny.
1: Uh, Judy, i got to let you know that uh, on our monitor, I see in a couple of calls, we're going to be talking to the tomato expert <laughs> himself, that will be Werner in Tilsonburg, and if he's got any suggestions to offer, he will offer them, I know, if yeah. I know well,
2: and, and actually, just as, a, as an aside, there are products on the market, mm-hmm. and actually you mentioned sulfur. There is sulfur available in a spray bottle that is a lower concentration of sulfur rather than the um, lime sulfur that we use on woody plants that is available for preventative care on plants that are susceptible yep. to fungal diseases. So if we get a really wet season again next year, Take a look on the shelf of your local Canadian Tire or whatever. See what they've got out there uh, for fungicides. Read and see if it's uh, useful on tomatoes. And then be preventative. That's always the the challenge with fungal diseases. So
4: do you start spraying that in the spring then?
2: No, you would start spraying. You would keep an eye. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, the plants are fine. It's when we get to uh, sort of mid-July or even early okay. July that we'll sometimes start to see. And, and the weather tells us a little bit about what's going mm-hmm. on as well. So that's when you start Thinking about preventing
4: Because when our leaves All turn brown Of course then the tomatoes Mm. Were just there Yeah. And then they got all of that burn because of the hard white part because there was no leaves to
2: protect them. That's right. Exactly. And they also are are susceptible to the blight. So there you are with all these scraggly looking plants. And and the other thing is when you're cleaning up the garden this fall, ensure that you remove all that debris. Don't leave any of it on the ground because of the spores that are on the plants that That can stay on the property. Yeah. Reinfect next year. Okay. Okay.
4: Thank you very much. You're welcome. Alrighty.
1: Thank you for joining us from Stratford. Stratford. Yes. I know you, you had I to go Shakespearean. I all, all ready to go. <laughs> Privy thou. <laughs> Privy thou fair maiden. Oh, Lord love a duck. All uh, right. Can you
2: say um, good garden hygiene with a Shakespearean accent? Good
1: garden hygiene. There you are. Uh, that's yes, that's, let that's let the good, mantra. Very good indeed. <laughs> all right. Jean in Chatham, waiting on the line there, too. Hello, Jean.
6: Good morning. Good morning. Um, I had a... A bad summer in that somebody was having a banquet on all my plants.
2: Oh, oh. oh all your plants.
6: Leaves, they ate a, a, a hosta, a baby hosta, right down to the, oh. the ground. And I'm just wondering, is there anything I can do now to prevent this happening next year? Hmm.
2: I think the best thing we need to do is figure out who is doing yeah. all that eating. wigs, maybe? Well, hold on. Are you anywhere? Uh, are you in Chatham or outside Chatham?
6: No, I'm in Chatham.
2: Okay, so you're in town. Groundhog, Mm -hmm. maybe. Hmm. Could there, because groundhogs are pretty uh, willing to eat anything. But you have to talk about leaves and young plants. Groundhogs can rabbits. uh, Old plants,
6: young plants. Yeah.
2: uh, Deer, but probably not deer. Right in town. Uh, So, your challenge is really if you're not seeing any obvious. Eating herbivores out there during the day yeah. is to make a point of looking out at night. Putting on a flat, go out with a flashlight and see if you can see what's going on. Um, Frank's right. I mean, earwigs are—they'll pretty much eat anything as well, but you'd have to have an army of earwigs to just yeah. annihilate a garden. Uh, you know, eating everything just nonstop. So, likely more like a rabbit or a groundhog that was doing that. There are a few, few kind of. Um, things you can incorporate into your garden that will scare them away. There's a like a sprinkler that's called Scarecrow huh. and it's a motion detector sprinkler so you turn it on as the sun goes down and any little beastie that enters your garden to have a salad feast uh, it, it sets, sets off. off the sprinkler. Oh, neat. And it's a high-pressure sprinkler yeah. so it, it kind of blows them off their feet and they
1: run away. There's something else too that moles, remember we, we were talking about moles and you insert it, it's like a, Juicy a fruit. sound. Oh, uh, the sound thing, yeah. And it sends out this uh,
2: horrible uh, t- to sound super human, high,
1: human ear could yeah, we can't pick hear it. it up, but they but do. moles are yeah. underground, yeah. so
2: moles are chewing all your roots, roots. typically, yeah, right, And right. vole same thing. They're they're chewing mm-hmm. away on things. So but, I mean, when it comes to a you know a devastated garden, of fir- the first challenge always is who who am I after, and then we'll strategize how to right. get you know how to get after them. Um, so that I'm sorry, I wish I could be of more use, but um, that's
6: are the little white things that curl up.
2: Right, so those are grubs
6: Yeah, well, out front uh, I know when I was cleaning up the edges and I would dig down and whatever, I've pulled I've lifted out many, many grubs so I know huh. I've got those out yeah. front
2: So is that this past fall or in the spring?
6: Oh, just just recently within the last month or two i just keep on cleaning up the edges Nematodes. cutting back petunias that type of thing
2: too late now for a minute yeah yeah i'm just wondering okay so those round ugly c-shaped uh grubs is what they're called they do a lot of damage they eat roots and and can kill turf they can kill uh garden plants they're they're quite hungry little beasties as the weather's getting cooler they are descending going to begin a descent down deep below the frost line to spend the winter on under the ground, come back up and start eating in a bigger way next spring. Yeah. So the best way to control grubs is to get a hold of something called nematodes and they're nematode eggs. You're In a, in Chatham you're warmer than us and so it might not be too late. Too late. Yeah, right. uh, your local <clears throat> garden center would have nematodes or at least they could advise you whether it is too late in your neighborhood mm-hmm. to use them. Rain coming is perfect because they do go onto a moist, a moist garden, moist lawn, follow all the instructions that that is, and that again is a preventative to try and avoid even bigger damage next spring. So do that
6: they, that do one's they also eat the leaves on the plants? No, no,
2: no okay. just,
1: just the roots, strictly
2: below yeah. ground at this time yeah. of year. Yeah. yeah, when okay. they when they mature, the adults are beetles, right? They're the June beetles that fly around. So and you're well. That's the other thing. Maybe it was like Japanese beetles were eating your stuff. Gosh, yeah. I right.
6: know we had those on a tree, and we cut the tree down. It was covered.
2: Oh no, kidding. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, maybe they moved on yeah. to other things. Once the it's, tree was gone, they went. No, no, oh, now we'll just better yeah. eat the hostas. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to make yeah. sure you don't have a yeah. Japanese beetle trap on your property because you're going to get more than you need, more about ba- more beetles than you need. So. Okay. Y- Yeah, just try and do everything you can to swoosh get everybody to go somewhere else. To the neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hurting. Thank you so much, Gene. But yeah, check into using some nematodes like today on the garden. Just try and be in better shape for next spring. Okay. All right. Good thank, luck with that. Let us know for, how it
1: goes. Thank you for joining us here. The Garden Show from Zuma Radio AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Crystal clear, don't you know? Really? And yes. Yes, yes indeed. It's
2: good because that 740 is not crystal clear. Well, not when you're downtown. with downtown.
1: In downtown, no. No. no you get all that interference. That's why, why? we got the uh, good old uh, FM, FM
2: support. 96.7. Yeah. I just put that, in, get that on my there you car radio. Yeah.
1: Oh, you know, uh, tomato expert and uh, expert in so many other things, (laughs) Werner is on the line from Tilsonburg. We're going to get to you next, Werner. Stay tuned. We're coming back at you.
0: Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty. We're off and running, Charlie, all the
1: way to Tilsonburg. Good morning, (laughs) Werner. (laughs) Good morning.
3: Good morning, Charlie.
1: How are you, Frank? Hi. What's going on? I want to
3: move a
2: rose bush. Hmm. How long's it been there?
3: Oh, about five years.
2: Yeah, that should be doable.
3: And uh, like only about three feet in the corner of my flower bed because this this is interfering with my other
2: planting. Yeah. So So I just want to move it over. Yeah. Would do it now or in the spring? I would do it now. Yeah. You know why? Because the soil is nice and warm now. And so get out there with your shovel, prepare the hole, lift, move, drop, tamp, water done. No fertilizer, no nothing, just do, and you will cut it down a little bit to do this, even by as much as a third, because you're going to leave some roots behind, Mm -hmm. but try and keep a a root ball together, and remember you're planting it at the same level it is now or slightly higher, because it's going to sink down a bit once it settles and Mm -hmm. yeah, do it now, and then um, do, I would also probably put some leaves or some mulch or whatever, just around the crown of the plant, once we've had some good hard frost, just a little bit of a protection Around the crown, but yeah. it, it'll be fine. If it's only been there five years, it'll be fine. Okay, good stuff. Dear. Okay. Do I wear rubber boots while I do that? <laughs> well, what's it <laughs> yes. like at your place? It's crystal blue and clear here.
1: <laughs> okay. As long All as right. it's not
2: raining, you're you're fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thanks, okay, thanks Werner you, Thanks. You, for you take well. care. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, <laughs> you very too. much. Now here is uh, another first time caller. Wow. From North York this time. Oris. is, Orist. Getting... Orist is Orist. on the line, and that's for you, Oris. Good morning.
3: Good morning. Morning. My question is, uh, recently I bought a couple of uh, rose plants, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask, is it too late in the season to put them in the ground?
2: No, not necessarily. Are they roses that you bought outside, they were outside at the garden center when you bought them? Yes. Yeah, good. Because sometimes we will find little mini roses and that sort of thing for sale inside. Oh, no. These are these were outside. Okay, so these are outdoor hardy roses. Uh, You have two options. One is you have a spot, you know where they're going, you can do the permanent planting this fall, anytime today onwards, or you're not quite 100% sure where they're going, leave them in the pot, but still sink the pot and the plant underground for the winter, and then next spring you can dig up, and then you can think more about where's the permanent planting going to be.
3: That's good. Okay,
2: that's the only way they're going to survive the winter. You do not want to leave them above ground, and you do not want to bring them in your house. A quick second question. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
1: We're running into problems here. Uh, we, we only allow one question per call, orist uh, So right. what I'd advise you to do, though, is once you hang up, just redial, yeah. and you'll get back in line. Uh, and, uh, exactly. We, yeah. Because we've okay. got other people online yeah, other waiting. People are but thank are waiting. you. You're
2: very welcome to call yeah. back with a second Absolutely. question. Absolutely. <laughs> Supplementaries are always welcome.
1: Absolutely. Okay. In <laughs> fact, the first-time caller is awaiting your attendance, my lady. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Oh, we've so shot strat- <laughs> yeah, Forty. These days, <laughs> yeah, you've got me going here.
2: All right, <laughs> I've got you
6: going.
1: <laughs> this is Mary in St. Catharines. Good morning, Mary.
6: Hello, good morning. Good morning. Yes, um, I have um, emerald cedars.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Well, they're called S M A R A G D, just the way it sounds, smaragged. Oh, yep, which, oh, okay, yep, and which are now probably about 20 feet tall. Oh, my, yes, they're huge. Mm. And so I was wondering how to prune them. Like I'd like to top off about five feet or so, Mm -hmm. and to and retain like the cone shape.
2: Right. How long ago were they planted? Do you know? Were you there?
6: About fifteen years.
2: And how many are there?
6: Three. Okay. They're right beside each other. They're more mm. like a blockage,
2: right? So they're are they out in the front? No,
6: uh, they're in the backyard,
2: and they're kind of like a windbreak and a sort of a pattern, like a triangle pattern or whatever.
6: Straight across, yeah. Oh, okay. Three right in a row. Um. All
2: right. So I wish you had called me. You know, maybe ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, me too. <laughs> huh. um, so. Because- grow about 13
2: feet, it sad. I know. But if a plant is happy, it just doesn't stop growing. It keeps growing. It does slow down, but it does keep, continue to grow. So that's how sugar maples end up so big, right? Right. And blue spruces that start out so cute end up so big. Uh, the trick with cedars is you're better to <clears throat> stay on top of them in terms of their pruning requirements earlier in the game than later in the game. Okay. So you, I mean... If they sound like they're, they're happy and they're, you know, doing well and. Technically, yes, next June, you could go out there with a big ladder, or somebody, not you, but somebody goes out there with a big ladder, gets mm. up to that 15-foot level, yeah. and has a chainsaw in hand, and proceeds to lop off the top mm-hmm. five feet on each of these plants. Right. Some shaping is going to be required, because otherwise, snow, load, etc., you don't want a flat top on those no. cedars. They do need to be somewhat um Pruned into a bit of a point or a curve on the top so there's uh, ish, they shed okay, um, and and if they're happy and healthy, they will not be at all affected by this other than to get wider. Because when you take the top off a plant like that, you're going to encourage width. Yeah, they're quite wide, too. <laughs> I know. So if you wanted to really do this right, then you would not only take the tops off, but you'd also shear the sides. Okay. So, But you're not going to be able to shear like three feet because otherwise you're right back into, into dead wood or, or naked wood. But you can certainly shear a few inches all the way around each of those plants at oh. the time when you're taking the tops off. Okay.
6: Yeah, because they're nice and green Outside, but mm. on the inside, they're all brown. That's because
2: mm. that's the way they naturally grow. Oh, okay. Your new growth is on the outside. Right. And your old wood is on the inside. And see, we call them evergreens as if they're always green. But cedars do drop their needles about every three years. Oh. So what you're looking at is three years growth on that uh, outside mm-hmm. green growth. Yeah. Anything inside there where there's no growth, that's your four, five, six, all the way up to 20-year-old growth inside where yeah, there, there's no leaves. Yeah, that off
6: quite a bit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. And they do get large and naked on the inside. It's completely yes, normal.
6: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Mary. for calling. Yeah. Don't, don't be a stranger. Be a stranger.
1: <laughs>
2: Coffee's
6: always open. Door
1: is always open here. My gosh. <laughs> um, off to Wyoming. Uh, oh, really? In Ontario. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> good morning. How, how are you? And welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. I'm what? good this morning. Yes, it always gets confusing to people yeah. when I say I'm from Wyoming. It's
2: very cool, actually.
5: <laughs> Do you have a ranch?
2: No.
1: no,
5: no, no. I know It's a little town. I know. Um, I have a lemon cypress mm-hmm. that a friend gave me. It's beautiful in a pot. It's been on my deck all summer. Mm-hmm. She has told me she's tried to winter them yeah. over and has had no success. They are tricky. I thought, well, I'm going to give Charlie a call <laughs> and see if you can help me at least try to. Yeah. It's a beautiful little plant. Yeah,
2: I know, and they um, smell great when you stroke them.
5: Yes, so anyway, I told her, I'm going to call Charlie and see if she <sighs> has any pointers. Well, okay, so tell me about the deck.
2: What direction has it been? Has it been in full sun it all has summer?
5: Been, it's south, our okay. deck is south, okay. so it's had full, hot sun, and okay. it seemed to really love that. Mm-hmm. I have brought it in um, in and out as okay. it got cold, okay. and um, it is starting to lose some of its lovely, mm-hmm. brilliant green color.
2: That will happen.
5: Yeah, mm. so anyway, I just wondered about I, I realize it's probably going to still need lots of sun, which I do have a yeah. patio door that is Good. south-facing.
2: Good, so you're going to keep it there all winter. I will winter. keep it
5: there all winter. What I wondered about is watering, uh, things like that.
2: Yeah, so you're going to want to So recognize that all of our plants... As winter comes, days get shorter, all of our tropical plants and our tender plants that we bring indoors and we've been watering them all summer are going to use less water in the winter. So you're going to get used to what the pot feels like either by feeling the surface of the soil or feeling the weight of the pot to decide when to water. You do not ever want to let this plant completely dry out. Otherwise, it will just drop every needle. Okay. But on the other hand, you don't want to keep it constantly wet. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a fine line between, you know, as it starts to dry down a bit, giving it a good watering, enough that the water drains through the drainage holes. Do not let it sit in water. So you'll dump it out of the the little saucer after the water has drained through the drainage holes, sat there for five or ten minutes. You'll dump the saucer and have that clean and clear. One of the things I love with plants like the lemon cypress trees, they love humidity that we have a hard time providing in our furnace heated homes. Mm -hmm. If you can put out a pebble tray. So a pebble tray is basically a dollar store. You get a tray. It could be a cookie sheet type tray or a plastic tray throw some gravel into it sit that site the little plant on top of the gravel and keep water in the tray all winter okay. it will constantly evaporate around the plant so you'll have to replenish it but the plant isn't sitting in the water but you do raise the humidity around the plant quite substantially right. and that can help a lot with the retention of those needles okay and you're That's right great. about the full sun it's got to be in the sunniest possible location yeah. and turn the plant 180 degrees every sunday or saturday or
1: whatever okay
5: all okay. right. Great. Thank you very much. No sir. fertilizer. Thank you, okay. Thanks, hey, Anne. Uh, Wyoming,
1: luck. actually, is... Uh, I was on the way to Blue Heron oh, Casino. Oh, Casino? Oh, yeah. And you go through Wyoming, uh, do? do you not? So it's
2: up there like Port Perry Way. Is that right? Is that right, Anne? Oh, we've lost I? I'm oh, going to have we... to look it up now. You've got me oh, going on that.
1: Now, now maybe I'm I'm totally confused. It's okay. But I do know something I'm really happy about, and I glanced up <laughs> at our monitor, and Orest has called back, <laughs> and he's going to be back on the air with us momentarily, well, in about... Three calls. Okay. Uh, Mervyn in Mississauga. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Mervyn.
5: I have two mandevilla, uh-huh. and they've grown to about 10 feet. Wow. And I put them in big pots,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and now I don't know how to put <laughs> the pots inside <laughs>
2: You need mm-hmm. dollies and strong friends. Oh,
5: brilliant. I, I have all that, but I still think they're too big. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, you can cut them back. Are they? So are they 10-foot trellises in those big pots?
5: Yeah, and I cut them back yesterday uh, to about four feet, I oh, guess. Oh, okay.
2: that's good. And you t- took out the 10-foot trellises? Or are you okay- I took
5: out the 10-foot trellises, Yeah. So
2: maybe get some shorter trellises for inside, because you probably will want trellises.
5: Yeah, I I, I had to double trellises. Oh, uh, good. Because They were so tall, but yeah. Oh, okay. Perfect. I have trellises in there now, shorter ones.
2: Okay, so that works. I mean, the cutting down to four feet is very appropriate. Now you have an option. Do you want to keep these plants growing as full, in full sun, as tropical flowering house plants, or do you want to stick them into the dark or semi-dark and semi-dormancy?
5: Yeah, that that would be preferable, I mm-hmm. think,
2: yes. So that's typically the basement, which can be hard if it's a really big pot. But Or maybe you have a spare bedroom or something where you can just keep it cool. You can put plants like this into a dormant or semi-dormant state by controlling the temperature. So lowering the temperature, having a cool room for them, root cellar kind of temperature. Mm-hmm. Dark, it doesn't have to be pitch dark. As a matter of fact, I, I think pitch dark is kind of hard on them, but lower light. They will drop leaves. They will basically hunker down. They will stay alive, but you will have to check the water every now and then because every now and then you will have to give them a little bit of water just to keep them alive. Uh And then... Once the days start to get longer, and everything starts to get very exciting in February, March, and April, you'll be rolling those out into a brighter spot in your home, and watching new growth start to emerge, you'll start to water and fertilize consistently at that point, and once we're frost-free, you'll get them outside.
5: I can't keep them in the in the garage. Then they have to be frost free, right?
2: Well, yeah, frost free, and that's the problem with garages. Unless mm. it's completely oh, yeah. insulated, we never know what kind of winter we're going to have. And,
5: uh, like, would you transplant? If I put them in smaller pots? Would you do that now?
2: It, it's unlikely to work if you transplant them down to smaller pots you're likely going to have to do some root trimming to jam them into smaller pots and at this time of year that's super hard on the plants you could do that in may or june because they're actively growing and you can do a lot of things to plants when they're growing they kind of just bust through it right they they grow through whatever stress we cause but at this time of year to do stressful things to plants can be can put them over the edge and cause them to die Okay. So if you want to keep them, I'd be inclined to just leave them in the pots, you've cut them back, now just get them into a situation where they're in a holding pattern, lower light, Lower lower temperatures. Okay, great. Okay. Thanks very much. You're very Thank you, welcome. Irvin. Good luck with that. All I ready. know we fall in love with plants and we spend a lot of money yeah. and time and they get so big, like big hibiscus, big yeah. mandevillas. What do you do then? Yeah. I know, but it's like, well, you know, raise the rooftop. Let's, <laughs> you know, lower <laughs> the floor. <laughs> what are we right. going to yeah, do? <laughs>
1: exactly. Looking outside at an absolutely beautiful day in, in downtown Toronto, in any mm-hmm. case. Uh, clear skies? Wow, I'll say. And uh, it's clear sailing here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. The phone numbers are, uh, in case we get a, a, a break, uh, well, we're jammed right now. <laughs> I'll get the numbers anyway. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty 416 in Toronto. And then, anywhere we're in the province toll free, 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be back in a
0: moment to say hi to Dawn in Alliston. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size There's more going on in the garden than you realize Should small creatures become a big problem Then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin Exclusively on Zoomer Radio Well, Charlie, we're going to amble
1: off to Alliston now And say hi to Don. Good morning, Don Good morning, Frank and Charlie. How are you both doing? Good morning. Excellent. That's great Um, I've got some bare grass spots and some um, weeds growing in some of my grass. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if it's too late to do uh put some grass seed down, like, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. It's never too late in the fall unless you're talking about a steep hill. So are we talking flat elevation or hilly? Flat elevation. Okay. You're fine. What I would do, if you can, is pull the weeds, get out there with your knee pad and your Screwdriver or your weeder, pull those weeds, eliminate them from that whole scene. Get a little bit of lawn top dressing. So you've got some or some triple mix or any kind of a good, you know, soil mix. Mm -hmm. Sprinkle that, rake it around so that it's nice and filling all those holes and patches. Grass seed, pretend you're feeding the birds. So out there it's sprinkling an appropriate grass seed blend. So something that's gonna be good for your conditions, sun, shade, high traffic, whatever. Sprinkle that all there, again, a nice light raking, so we've got seed-soil contact, uh, but the birds can't steal the seed because it's uh-huh. slightly covered under the soil. It's going to rain for the next few days, uh, and it's particularly good conditions with the warmth we've been having. The seed is very likely to germinate in the next week, and then it'll be ready to go next spring. If it doesn't germinate because it suddenly gets super cold in Alliston, then it will sit there and wait until next spring, and it will grow then. Okay. Okay.
1: Good stuff. Great. Have a great day, uh, Don, and a great weekend for that matter, yeah, too. Yeah,
2: thanks for calling.
1: All righty. Oh, and here we are. We've reached, or, or he has reached out to us again. Orist in North York. Welcome again <laughs> Welcome to the back. show. Welcome yeah.
3: Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the second question that I had yes. was once you put the pots in the ground,
5: mm-hmm. uh, protection can be put on. Around the plant itself mm-hmm. to keep squirrels from digging up the soil.
2: Mm, yeah, you may need to do that. Do, do you know what kind of roses they are? Do you remember the names?
3: Uh, they on the card. They call them Li- Lily Marlene.
2: Oh, Lily Merlin. Okay, so they are uh hybrid tea roses. Um yes, you're going to want to put some protection partially to protect from the squirrels, but also to protect from the extremely silly winters we have in Southern Ontario. On the one hand it can be really cold and on the other hand it can be really warm. So we get snow, we get rain, we get all these you know crazy ups and downs and fluctuations and that's very hard on some of the more tender plants like roses. Right. So, so once you've buried the pots, don't do anything um, to protect them until we've had some really cold, like a good hard frost. And that might be in your area still two months away. Um, I've had situations where I wasn't covering roses until after Christmas because we, the, the frosts were very, very light. You We need a good five, six, seven, eight degrees below zero to make those roses completely dormant. And at that point, you can pile anything you around, pretty much anything you want around them. You know, straw bales, piles of leaves, um, soil, topsoil, a bag, you know, mm-hmm. half a bag of topsoil right over top, of each plant, so you've got a little bit of a mountain right over the crown of the plant, but none of that happens until it's completely dormant. Makes sense? Hello? Are you still there at worst? Oh. Yes. Okay. Does that uh, mean-
1: a lot of years ago, my mother in law told me when you have plants that you want to keep uh, squirrels away from, mm-hmm. to put some um, mothballs. Underground.
2: Okay, so I'm not a big fan of mothballs. Uh, you, all you need is one small child wandering oh, through okay. your your yep. yard thinking that's a mint and picking it up. So we don't typically use mothballs a lot anymore. There are some squirrel repellents. One that I like a lot oh, yeah. uh, and I have promoted is called plant. Just, skid, so the word plant right. and then skid. And skid is spelled S K Y. And then it's double D, D as in dog, so plant skid. I know it's available at Sheridan Nurseries, and you're in North York. Mind you, you're near Sheridan is now way up in Unionville, I think, or down in Toronto, but Sheridan, even Canadian Tire likely has it. Mm-hmm. It is a spray and it's good for six months. Uh, it is completely organic. It was originally designed in Norway for keeping the elk away from plants. Turns out it keeps almost every mammal away from Vegetarian, vegetation. Yeah. So it's very, very good protectant as we get into the winter, whether it's deer, elk, mm-hmm. you know, caribou, <laughs> whatever is in your backyard, groundhogs, squirrels, and the squirrels don't really go after roses that much, I find. They'll go after a lot of things. but And they're really just burying nuts right now. For them, it's all, they're burying stuff, and then they're going to forget where it is anyway.
1: (laughs) Okay, Oris, thank you very much for calling in that second time round. And, you know, I'm looking at our monitor. We have three first-time callers uh, waiting online. Wow, good stuff. So let's uh, see how many we can squeeze on here before we have to wave bye-bye. And we'll uh, come back after our next break here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio.
3: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and
0: williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, let's get that bell out here, Frankie. Woof. There, that's for Lily
1: in Midland. First time caller. Hi, Lily. Welcome to the show.
3: Oh, good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. I'm so glad I was able to get in, dear.
2: Yes, indeed. Thanks for calling.
3: Oh, you're welcome. I have a little pink and white flower that I planted. It was on the side of the road, and it looks so beautiful. But the thing is, it's taken over my garden. <laughs> oh, dear. In <and> my <laughs> fence.
2: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's that side of the road that was the giveaway there. Yeah, uh (laughs) uh-oh. So it's a very vigorous plant, is what you're saying.
3: Yes. It chokes my plants.
2: Oh, dear. Uh, You have to tell me more about it. Pink and white flower. Does it grow like a...
3: It looks like a trumpet. A small little trumpet.
2: Huh. How tall is it?
3: Oh, it's not too tall, but when it gets onto my plants, it grows just, it just chokes them all up. It I know binds what it is. Up my plants.
2: Okay. So you know what it is? It's called bind weed. Oh, gosh. So oh, yes, it's, it's definitely binding. A yes. 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 Well, I mean, a lot of things. One person's weed is another person's flower. I mean, morning glory is a form of bind weed. Sweet potato yeah. vine is also a form of bind weed. But the one you've chosen, yes, is a problem. Uh, okay. Hmm. You, uh, perennials? Is it growing in a perennial garden right now, or is it growing in shrubs and trees, or where is it?
3: Oh, it just grows all over.
2: Oh dear! Wow, I have a,
3: like a high ranger plant, and it's about maybe ten feet away, and it's got a hold of that too.
2: Holy cow! Oh, okay. So brother. this is going to be a tricky one. Um, you may need to get some help to do this. This is going to require a, a lot of. Well, pulling, digging, digging, but you leave even a microscopic piece of root behind and and it will grow back. So that's the problem. To eliminate it from your garden is going to take some very consistent... Digging and removing, digging, removing, digging, removing. And
1: those those uh, roots, they're long too. Sometimes, well, they,
2: they shouldn't be that bad. I might think but of ch- creeping, Charlie. Yeah, the, uh, maybe it's I, yeah. It, it's just the, it's easy to leave some behind.
3: Yeah. And I go through all, it, all my it, plants and I unwind it and pull the root as much as I can. But there's so many,
2: yeah. right? So that wherever yeah. it touches the ground, it can start to root again. Oh, wow. So that's why it is going to be a bit of a challenge. In a worst case, I mean. There, you can in the spring when it starts to first emerge, and it will be very obvious. It's got a very distinctive heart-shaped leaf. Mm-hmm. You may want to get a hold of some Roundup because this is an invasive, noxious weed that's in your garden. And if you very, very carefully and selectively, on a non-windy day, spray Roundup onto the leaves of that bindweed as it starts to emerge above ground, not being careful to not spray any of your chosen plants, you may you you'll be able to. Lower the volume yeah. of some of it. You won't eliminate all of it. It's going to be like a daily or twice a day wow. going outside, spraying very selectively as those leaves emerge. And ultimately, you should be able to kill the roots if you can stay on top of it.
3: Right. Um, I otherwise, try to do my best because it's on the neighbor's yard.
2: Oh golly! Yeah,
1: on not the fence. I so. Know.
3: I'm going. Yeah, you, I'm constantly down near pulling. Yeah. Oh
2: boy! Yeah. Well, the pulling probably isn't helping as you're just breaking the stems, and that's encouraging more growth. Yeah. So, you if you're going to do pulling, make sure you pull right, and root comes with it. Um, it is a challenge for sure. It's a very, very fast-growing, happy plant. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and it will choke. It will Round ultimately up. hurt other plants.
3: Round up! It's- Free. Yep, Roundup. Is, is that okay for the environment, dear?
2: Uh, it is considered a, a herbicide, non-selective herbicide that is completely inert once it's dry. So when it goes on wet, it can kill anything green. But once it dries, it is completely inert and kills so nothing. Safe. Yeah. So oh. it's a it's as safe a herbicide as you're going to get. It's as safe as lemon juice or um, you know the, which is out there as well, or um, vinegar mm-hmm. as a herbicide, yeah. but non-selective. So you got to be very careful. And
1: what, Good luck with that, Lily.
2: Yeah. Oh, good darn it. And yeah. Roundup's available at any home Fine. hardware, Canadian mm. Tire, any of those places. Now
1: you see me reaching for the bell again right. here. There it is for Mike in Mississauga. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. I have, uh, an orchid, orchid uh, plant mm-hmm. and uh,
2: healthy as anything. The root's gorgeous. They're, they're growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. But no flowers. Okay. How long have you had it?
5: Um, a little over a year and... Uh, After it finished blooming, that was it. Okay. It's been, what, uh, maybe seven, eight, nine months since uh, the last of flowers.
2: All right. So uh, are you fertilizing at all? Or have you?
5: I'll give it a, a, a tad, yeah.
2: If you're going to give it any fertilizer at all, make sure you give it an orchid fertilizer. That will encourage blooms. It sounds like you're doing everything right if it's that happy and healthy and green and and growing so well. So be patient. It's a a patience thing. I think you'll find that if it doesn't shoot out a flower stem in the next, you know, before Christmas, it will very shortly after Christmas. And it'll just look like a root, but it'll actually be a flower stem. It'll come off the side, down below the leaves, and instead of sort of growing horizontally like a root will, it'll start to go up against gravity and you'll get yourself your little uh, uh, stake and you'll stake it up. All right. You
1: know something? Uh, We've go. uh, we to We have to go. Uh, we're at the checkout <laughs> Frank's counter. Frank's yeah. eyes are getting yeah. really big looking well, at we, me. Well, <laughs> we we only have a few seconds left in the yeah. show to stay at the checkout counter now. And thank you, one and all, for a fascinating uh, bunch of questions no this morning. No kidding. From yeah. all over
2: Ontario yep. and many f- first-time callers, so welcome oh, yeah. and, and don't and be a stranger.
1: We're, we're leaving some folks on the line so who are call, waiting.
2: early call off, yeah, and we're back the, next week.
1: Uh, yes, indeed we are. And thanks, And you're back Charlie. this afternoon. Yeah, at 2 o'clock.
2: All right. You've got lots going on. Absolutely. And I know you're writing scripts and finding fun things to talk
1: about. And the music, uh, I tell you, we play the uh, Zoomer Radio greatest,
0: original greatest hits. Excellent. I'm looking forward
2: to that. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Duncan. See you all again
0: next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.